Steve. I thought I saw Steve somewhere. There he is. Uh, if you need a Sunday school lesson, Steve has those. He'll pass those out for you. Uh, just raise your hand. He'll get one to you. Now, I will tell you this. You can get a Sunday school lesson this morning, but I probably am not going to be in the lesson very much. Uh, like always, uh, I get up early Sunday morning, usually 536 o'clock Sunday morning, and get my first coffee, cup of coffee. By the way, if I seem a little more calmer, I'm going into decaf now. If I fall asleep in service, somebody wake me up, okay? Uh, but I'm trying, to, I'm trying to get some of those things taken care of in my life. Anyway, uh, I get up real early in the morning, and I'll sit in, in, the, in the living room on the couch, have my notes all out in front of me, and I'll kind of study what I've already studied, kind of restudy it. Some of you know when I do that, I add a lot of notes to it. This morning, I kind of looking at it in a different way that I, I, I'm always amazed. I'm always amazed how many times I read the Scripture and how many t- different ways the Holy Spirit impresses truth upon me. I don't even know what I mean when I say that. You'll read a passage of scripture that you've read in my life hundreds of times in the last 50 years I've been saved. I'll read a passage or a, a phrase in the scripture or something, and the Holy Spirit tends to enlighten that in a way that I've never thought about it before. And so I'm reading, this morning I sat down and I got my notes out. This is, the, this is typically how I do I have my notes out. I'll open my Bible, put my Bible on my lap, and my notes are on the edge of the couch. That's just an easy place to put them. Thank you, sir. Uh, put those on the edge of the couch, and then uh, I just kind of read through it and then make a note here and read a little bit and make sure I want to emphasize this, I want to emphasize that, I want to do this, I want to do that. And that's kind of how I do it. Well, this morning, I sat down and I put my notes here, my Bible on my lap, and here's the first thing I thought. Before you read your notes, why don't you read Hebrews chapter 11 again? Now, I think, you may not agree with me, but I think that's the Holy Spirit, because I don't think my flesh says, read the Bible. Agreed? My flesh is, I know my flesh, my flesh is not like, hey, why don't you sit down and read the Bible? No, my flesh has many other options that it would like to do. And I'm pretty sure it wasn't the devil going, hey, you know what you really need to do? You really need to read. So I'm pretty sure that didn't happen. So I only leave it to one other thing, and that would be the Holy Spirit saying, why don't you just read the chapter again? So I read Hebrews chapter 11 again, and as I'm going through Hebrews chapter 11, uh, if you've ever seen, this is my preaching Bible. I try not to write in this Bible. I really try not to write in this Bible because it's a preaching Bible. And sometimes if you're preaching and you've got previous notes, you tend to read those while you're preaching and you can get yourself off track really quick. And so I try not to write in my Bible. But this morning, as I'm looking at this, I just started underlining phrases. And I don't know why, but those phrases all of a sudden uh, this morning just stood out like, I don't know, like road signs were like, bam, bam. And it just kind of just kept hitting me. Uh, And so I got to thinking about this. When you get to the end of chapter 10, some of you know end of chapter 10, we just finished that. Uh, Look at the last couple of verses in chapter 10. Really what happens here, chapter 10 sets up chapter 11 and chapter 11 sets up chapter 12, which is obvious because it's actually in a letter. But look at the last verse 38. Now the just shall live by what? Faith. When you talk about faith, what chapter of the Bible do you immediately think of? You've been saved any time at all. When I say something, I want, to read a bi- I want to read a chapter in the Bible about faith. What chapter would you recommend I read? Well, Hebrews chapter 11, right? We call that the faith chapter. Chapter 10, the last thing it talks about is our faith. Uh, the just shall live by faith, but if any draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. We know from our previous study what he's talking about is we don't draw back into Old Testament Judaism. We don't, it's not works that save those people and it's not works that will save you. All those instances, all those things were pointing by faith to a coming Messiah, right? We don't draw back to that. And then he says, now, it's interesting when you think of it in that way, when you get to the faith chapter, 
How many of you know that there are almost, there are no New Testament saints mentioned in the, in the faith chapter? Have you ever thought about that? I don't know why I've never thought about it. It hit me this morning. I'm like, hey, that's right. There are no New Testament. Was, was Paul man of faith? Was Peter man of faith? Absolutely. Uh, were the disciples men of faith? Yeah. And we could talk about men of faith in the New Testament. We could talk about Timothy. And there's a lot of people we could talk about. But in Hebrews chapter 11, it's only Old Testament saints. Now, if you know anything about the book of Hebrews, why is that? Again, he's talking to Jews who are leaning back into Judaism, who are looking at those people and saying, look what they did. And he's saying, no, everything they did was done by faith. You're saved in the Old Testament the same way you're saved in the New Testament. You're saved by faith in the coming Messiah or faith in the Messiah that's come. Amen. And so he set up all of that. When you get to this whole concept of what he's saying in, in, in Hebrews chapter 11, that's all set up by Hebrews chapter 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. And then he says, now let me give you some examples of the truths that I've been telling you. And when you look at it that way, it really makes sense to put the chapter where it is. When you get through at Hebrews chapter 11, look at verse 12, chapter 12, verse 1. Look at chapter 12, verse 1. You, you see what's happening here? So chapter 12, verse 1, he says, Wherefore, seeing we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, who's he talking about? The people he just talked about in chapter 11. So chapter 10 sets up chapter 11. Chapter 11, when you get to ver chapter 12, you're referring back to chapter 11. It's in the center there. Here are the examples of the very truths that I just taught you. Uh, look at your notes real quick. I'll read a couple of things real quick on the notes, and then I'll get to what I want to do this morning. Uh, just to page one there, now faith part one, that's where we are. We studied, when we started this study, some of you may remember, some of you may keep your notes. I gave you an outline from Dr. Wearsby's uh, notes, okay? Uh, and I thought it was a great outline, and we kind of stayed close to this, uh, uh, this outline. And, and if you look at it, you can see what we've done so far. We, were, we went through chat, uh, number one, Roman number one there, superior person. Christ compared to the prophets. He's superior to them. He's higher than the angels. Uh, we looked at the different exhortations. Christ compared to Moses. Christ compared to Aaron. Uh, literally, Christ compared to the whole all of Old Testament priesthood. That was the first section of notes. That's what we went through chapters one through six. You guys have been in my class. You remember that, right? Everybody got the background? When you get to section two, it's a superior priesthood. Christ, we talked about Christ and Melchizedek. Uh, it's a better order, a better covenant, a better sanctuary. We talked about the tabernacle and a better sacrifice. God's son himself is a better sacrifice. The blood of bulls and goats cannot take away sin, right? And so you see all this setting up until you get to chapter 11, and then in chapter 11, that's where we are now. That, now he's going to give you some examples of faith. Chapter 12, the endurance of faith. And chapter 13, the evidences of faith. And it, it's really a well set up. Uh, and, and, and I know, uh, you know, Paul didn't, wasn't that much of a genius. This is the Holy Spirit's direction. But it's a well set up. And when you look at it that way, the, the whole book just comes together. I mean, you really, it just comes together. I know earlier when I was in chapters one, two, three, four, and we're going through those chapters, you probably got a little tired of hearing, and it's better than this, and it's better than that, and it's better than this, and it represents that. And it, but you have to have that background to appreciate chapter 11, right? So when you get to chapter 11, when you get to chapter 11, uh, look at the bottom of your page down here. Uh, just like in Galatia, I'm, I'm on that next to the last paragraph. Just like in Galatia, there were Judaizers teaching that faith in Christ must be tied to the Jews' religion, right? You have to do it in a Jewish way to be saved. I am glad that that is not true, 
right? I have to do it in a faith way to be saved. Uh, they were trying to do that to tradition, to circumcision, uh, the observance of holy days and months and times and years, all those things. In general, they taught that you could not be saved without keeping the works of the law. They were adding, they were, they were saying, faith saves you if you keep the law. By the way, churches today add that, right? Faith saves you as long as you're this, as long as you're baptized, as long as you're a church member, as long as you give. No, no, no. Faith saves you faith alone. Amen? You, that, that's one of the big, uh, we were talking the other day, uh, Pastor and I were talking the other day, and I said that is one of the biggest problems, you know, when people talk to me about Catholicism. I, I've talked to several Catholics who don't believe the Catholic Church teaches that, that uh, salvation is by, by works. It is. In fact, the Catholic Church is kind of a dual deal. The Catholic Church, and I'm not beating on Catholics, I'm just telling the honest truth, it's faith and works. It's not just, I'm not saying it's just a works-based, but they say you have to have faith in Christ and keep the sacraments, right? And so anytime, exactly what they're doing is exactly what the Jews were doing in Paul's day. You have to have faith in Christ and. And Paul's saying, no, you have to have faith in Christ alone. That is sufficient, right? And then he goes and talks to you about what faith is. And that's where we get some wonderful passages. That, those are the first three verses I don't know. We'll kind of hit that next week. I don't even know if I can teach everything in those first three verses of Hebrews chapter 11. Uh, just look at it for yourself. Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1 through 3. Now, most of you have it memorized probably. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now, he makes that statement and then immediately turns and gives you an example. The greatest example of that statement is what? The evidence of things not seen. Okay, look what he, he'll, he'll give it to you. Look at verse two. For if it, by the elders obtained a good report, through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so the things which are, so the things which, so, so the things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. Uh, I, I, if I remember right, back in Bible college, they called that, we believe in creation by ex nihilo, which means uh, something out of nothing, Right? God didn't use anything to make something. God spoke, and out of nothing, there was something. Now, to believe that, can I tell you something? That is faith. That is the basic, that is the basic principle of creation. That, that's the problem we have. That's the problem that evolutionists uh, have, right? Because whatever they have had to come from something, right? This happened. I, I love, you know, when I was growing up, uh, there were all kinds of theories. And then as I got into Bible college, the theory was the Big Bang Theory. Some of you remember the Big Bang Theory. A big explosion happened, and out of that explosion, it set things into motion, and this came out of that. And then there was a primordial soup on the, this one particular planet called Earth, and out of that primordial soup crawled some little instrument, it crawled some little fish, and the fish's tail fell, fell off, and the fish crawled up in the tree, and he developed hands and... <laughs> Okay, you're looking at me like I'm being silly. I'm not being silly. That's what they taught me in high school. How many of you got taught that in high school? Now, that's a basic point. We all got, we, if you went to a public high school, that's what you got taught. And the problem I always have with that, I mentioned it last Sunday, is what? Well, where did the primordial soup come from? Well, it came from the Big Bang. Okay, if something banged together, there had to be something. Right? Tooth. They didn't just pop up and bang. 
No. So what happened? Where did that come from? Well, uh, when I was in Bible college, I think it was right after Bible college, there's another theory, I can't think of the title of the theory, where an asteroid came and hit another planet, took parts of that planet with it, and parts of that planet uh, in, the, in that collision are what collided with the other thing to cause the Big Bang. Okay, you still haven't answered my question, which is, and where did that, co- that asteroid come from? Well, that came from another universe. <sighs> That's very frustrating to me as a logical person because in my mind I keep going, do you know all that's answered in verse 3? Read it again. Hey, God makes it very clear. God has always existed. Uh, through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. God spoke so that things which are seen, this, that, this, okay, the things which are seen, right, look at it again, uh, were not made of things which do appear. So where did it all come from? God. End of story. I believe God is eternal. You know, uh, my faith is not shattered at all when you say, well, you have to believe that uh, matter is eternal. No, I don't. I believe God is eternal and that's all I need to know. And that's the starting point of faith, isn't it? You must believe that he is. In fact, it goes on later to tell you in the same chapter, you can't even please God if you don't believe that he is. That is the basic of it all. He gives you the very basic truths, okay? So here's what I did this morning. So I'm going through here, and I started underlining little phrases that I never really, I've noticed them, don't get me wrong. I preached on some of them. But the, the sheer volume of these phrases just kept hitting me this morning. Sometimes it, the Bible just does that to me. I just read a phrase and it's like, wow. For instance, uh, when it talks about the elders, those who, who, all the people he's about to talk about, whether he's talking about Moses or Abraham or Isaac or Jacob or, or whoever, whether he's talking about David or, David or Gideon, he's talking about those elders, right? Look what it sa- he says about them. He says, for by faith, what happened? What happened? They all obtained a good report. You know what the Holy Spirit said to me this morning? So when you're gone, will you leave a good report? By the way, that's something that we, we really have to think about. I think about the generations to come. I think about my two children, and I think about my eight grandchildren, and someday great-grandchildren. Whew, I'm getting close to that age now. And I think about those things. What kind of a testimony, what kind of a report am I going to leave for them? I have a responsibility. You have a responsibility to leave a good report. I worry a lot about the generations to come, not just because of the wickedness of this world, but because of their own personal wickedness. I don't know about you, but my flesh wants me to do wicked things all the time. And I struggle with that all my life. And I know that they struggle with that. And they struggle with that in a world that probably, in a a great sense, is going to be a lot different than the world that I struggle with it it in. Becky and I were talking this morning. I I don't even know how we got on the subject, but we were talking about when she used to live on a farm and... Oh, we were talking about kids not having anything to do. And she said, yeah, I used to walk around the block. She used to live out on Man Road in Mooresville. Okay, Man and Hadley, if you know where that area is. Her farm was on the corner, Man and Hadley. And how many of you know how around the block out there is not around the block around, around here? When she walked around the block, she walked literally miles. She would, she would tell her mom, dad, hey, we're going to walk around the block. And they would be gone for hours. Nobody thought anything. Nobody worried. Nobody panicked, you know, that a nine, 10 year old girl is walking several miles. How many of you think that's normal today? No, you can't even walk around one of these, one of the city blocks anymore without worrying. 
The times are changing. And I have to leave a good report for them. But the phrases just keep on coming. Verse 3. Through faith, we understand that the world's reframed. By the way, I underlined that phrase because I wanted to ask the question this morning. Do you? Do, by faith, is that where you put your confidence in? Science doesn't shake me. Every time science says something new, I've been around long enough. So most of you are like me. You've been around long enough. You've heard enough new stuff. Oh, guess what we figured out? And because we figured this out, I don't know how many times in my life I've heard people say, oh boy, if that's true, you know, that's really going to destroy the Bible. Well, so far, no good. None of that stuff has ever happened that the truth of science has collided. The truth, not theory, the truth of science never collides with the Bible. Scientific theory, always, almost always. And I, I understand that. I have learned in my lifetime to understand I don't, I don't put a lot of stock in some. I'm not saying science is not good. Honest, truthful, scientific fact, I, I'm all for. Amen? We couldn't live without it. But uh, scientific theory, you're going to hear, uh, if, you're, if you're in your 60s, you've heard enough stuff, right, that has been proven to be wrong, right? Uh, coffee will kill you. Bacon will kill you. Every, every now and then, something new is going to kill if, if My dad's 91 years old. And if that stuff kill, killed people, he'd be way past dead. My dad used to, I still remember, you guys know what jow, jow bacon is? That's good stuff, by the way. Well, probably not exactly the best thing for you. My dad used to fry a pan of jow bacon and make a pot of grits, take the bacon and everything in the bacon, grease and all, put that in the grits. How many of you make that? That makes you hungry. It's not, if, if you never had it, I'm going to just tell you something. That's good stuff. And he'd drink four or five cups of coffee with that in the morning. Well, he'd only lived to be 91, so sooner or later, it's going to kill him. That stuff's going to, you know. I, I, I believe in healthy living, but come on. Everything, everything in us is designed, everything in this planet almost is designed to kill us. We're, we're, we're degenerating creatures. We're going to fall apart. Anyway, uh, but anyway, through faith we understand. And, and I like the last phrase, we're not made of things that do appear. Things that, are, that I can see didn't come from things that, that came from something I couldn't see. It came from nowhere. It came out of the, uh, look at verse 4. By faith, Abel offered a more excellent sacrifice. I love that. By the way, what does he mean by more excellent sacrifice? Can, can I give you the right answer here? The right answer is a proper sacrifice. He offered what God actually required, not what he thought he should give. You, anybody think there might be a message in that? See, we don't give God, we don't give God what we think he should have. We give God according to the way he tells us to give to him. We don't worship him in the way that we think he, we should worship him. Uh, you know, modern churches, well, you know, I don't like your church. It's just not that much fun. Oh, you came for fun? I thought you came for worship. I thought you came for him, not for you. It's not, it's not for you. It's for you to learn more about him so that you can glorify him. Not so that you can have a good time. I'm not against a good time. We're going to go to the Wizard of Oz. We're going to have great fellowship. We're going to do all kinds of things, right? But that's not what this is about. I still, I'm so old fashioned. I think we, I think we should still call it Sunday school. I like the term. I think you come on Sunday, you sit in a class, and you learn something. Amen? I think we should just call it small groups. Well, that tells me nothing. Right? If you want to call it small study groups, I'll go with that title. 
right? I'm fine with that small study group or small Bible study. But when you start taking names out that actually mean, anyway, I'm off track. I got to get back to the, look at, look at it again. I, I could do this all day, by the way. Uh, I love this. Uh, by faith, he offered a more excellent sacrifice and he obtained a witness that was righteous. Again, Holy Spirit is beating me to death this morning sitting on my couch. Do you have a righteous witness? Is your testimony one people see you and they think righteousness? Or do they question that? Because you, if you offer the right sacrifice, if you worship in the right way, you have a righteous witness. You see how it all works together? Uh, keep going. And then he goes on to make this phrase. Again, I think about my kids. Being yet dead, yet speaketh. Even though he's passed away, I hope that's what happens. I hope someday when I'm gone, my kids will still talk about, but granddaddy said, the Bible said this. I want that legacy to hang on. Not because of me. I want them to remember me because of him. I mean, it's great. I, I enjoy my grandkids. Everybody knows that. I like to go on vacation with my grandkids. We like to hike together in the mountains. Yeah, we do all kinds of stuff. Love it, love it, love it, love it, love it. Sunday after this afternoon, I'll probably have two grandkids in my house. We'll go eat lunch together. They'll come over, goof off with us for a while, play some... Uh, what's that new game we play? I can't even remember the name of it. What is it? Sky what? Sky Joe. Is that right? Okay. Is that really the name? I know how to play it. I don't know what the name of it is. It's a new little card game. It's a fun game, by the way. And we do stuff like that. And didn't you know what we normally do? I'll sit on the couch and take a nap. And when I wake up, all of them are asleep too. It's a great Sunday afternoon. I love that with my kids. But that's not the stuff I really want them to remember. I mean, in a way, yeah. But what I really want to remember is Grandpa taught the truth. Grandpa wasn't afraid to look at us in the face and say, that's wrong and you, can't, you shouldn't do that. That's the kind of thing. I want being dead, I still want to be speaking. But why speaking is what the Word of God says. Amen? And you can go through this whole chapter, and we won't have time to do this morning, but just keep going here. Uh, look at verse 5. By faith Enoch was translated that he should not see death. You know the story, right? Enoch walked with God and he was not, Genesis said. Uh, uh, as close as I can tell what that means is exactly what it says. Enoch was walking on the planet and he took a step and the next step he was with God in heaven. Boop. That had to mess some people up around him, wouldn't you say? Can you imagine? Here's the sad part. I don't please God that much. You say, how do you know? <laughs> I'm still here. Right? Wouldn't that, be, wouldn't that be great if I was saying that this morning and I said, ain't it what with God? And he was not because he pleased God and I just disappeared. You'd all be freaked out. But that did happen, right? And I like the phrase that it says it in the verse. It tells you the whole reason. Because God had translated him before his translation. Before God took him, he had this testimony that he pleased God. Is that your testimony? I mean, look at the phrases. I'm, I'm just keep underlining phrases. That he pleased God. Is that your testimony? Here's what I tend to do when I read Hebrews chapter 11. I think about the people and what they did. You know what I was thinking about this morning? Why that happened. That was all of faith. Don't think about the people. Think about what God did with those people. Think about what their faith accomplished. It wasn't, listen, it wasn't because uh, Joshua was such a good general that the walls of Jericho fell down. It had very little to do with Joshua except for Joshua believed God. Amen? 
Now, now think about it. I'm serious. I, want, I, know, I know we're getting to the chapter. We'll get into the detail in the chapter. But I want you to think about this. If it's just faith, it's just believing God and doing what he says, those great things were accomplished. What about today? You say, well, that's Old Testament. No, but that, no, this is New Testament. This is Paul telling you why those things happen in the Old Testament. And he's telling these Jews, listen, this can happen today. This is what's supposed to be happening. It is by your faith, the power of your faith. Not faith in you, not faith in circumstances, faith only in him. And so you, you'll hit these phrases, alter, look at verse 6. But without faith, it is impossible to please God. You can give every dime you have. You can go sell everything you own and give it to God. And if you give it because you think that'll make God like you better, you're, you're, you're wasting your time. If you're giving it out of faith because God's called you to do so, wow, that's a whole different type of offering. I, I really believe, and I agree with Pastor Monty, I really believe that this building sits here by faith. Everything kind of was a, I, I, I still go back to that. I, you know, our deacons were for it to a degree. I mean, it was kind of a, I don't know, should we, we should, we shouldn't. And we did all that, you know, and finally we stepped out on faith. And here we sit. Uh, our church grew from 400, 450 to 600, sometimes 650, 700. People are getting saved. Last Sunday, lady walked down the aisle, got saved. Why is that? Because people believe by faith, Right. And that pleases God. So keep reading. Uh, again, uh, I, I want to emphasize another phrase. For, for, again, verse 6. For he that cometh to God. Now I want you to notice the, the, the words here. Must believe. I, I, I find myself a lot of times in counseling asking people, do you really believe God? Because people tell me they believe God, but then they trust themselves more than they trust God. People tell me they believe God. I believe God. Well, here's what God says you do. Well, I can't do that. Well, then you don't believe God. That's, you can't tell me you believe God and yet choose your way over his way. That's not believing him. If you're going to please God, you must believe him. You must believe the truth of the scripture. Uh, over and over. Look at chapter verse 7. But Noah being warned of God of things, that, uh, of God of things, which, yeah, of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark, First, he moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house by the word uh, by, by which he condemned the world. I never connected this together. So God told him what to do. He moved on that. And because of that, he saved his house. But he did more than that. It, it, I think two things are connected here. Believing God, condemning the world is what saved his family. Read the verse for yourself again. Both of those are connected in this verse. I wonder sometimes, and I'm thinking of myself only right here, I think my kids, my grandkids know I believe God. I kind of I feel like sometimes I get away from condemning the world. Right? You, you're like me. Have you ever sang the song, this world is not my home? But then you live like it is. Right? Uh, let's be honest with each other. Uh, I, I, I love the planet. I, I love, you know, I'd love to travel. I would, if God hadn't called me to preach, I don't know what I'd end up doing, but I love to travel. And I love to see places. And there's a part of me that loves the physical world around me. Amen? And I don't know that that's bad. It's the world system we're talking about. Sometimes 
I like that system better than God's system. I'd rather do other things than what God calls me to do. And I wonder sometimes if part of my testimony, right, to my family is damaged by my love for the world. I think both of the, I don't know if you ever noticed that in that verse before, but I think they're connected. Uh, you can go on and on. Abraham, not knowing where he obeyed, not knowing, right? Verse 8. Uh, down at the bottom of that verse, he obeyed even though he didn't know. I just, I don't know what the outcome is. I'm just going to do what God said. When I first got saved, you know, my youth pastor was talking about being called in the ministry. And he, and he said something to this effect that when you get called in the ministry, you don't know where you're going to end up. I, 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 I surrendered to the ministry. My wife will tell you I surrendered to ministry. I said this, I don't know how many times growing when I was young. I surrender to the youth ministry. I want to work with teenagers. I want to help teenagers uh, get through their teen years. I want to be a youth pastor. I don't even care. I think I can still be an effective youth pastor at 60 years old. Really believe that. And that was my plan. I was a youth pastor for about 10 years. And we had so many teenagers that grew up. Uh, we, I, worked, I went to Eagle Hill Baptist Church and I wasn't a youth pastor there. I was Sunday school director. And I still remember telling Pastor Defoe, oh, I should have never said this. I said, you know, the only class in this, this church that's not growing and not doing anything is a single adult class. We have to do something about that. How many of you know what Dr. Defoe said? That's a good idea. You need to be the single adult director. Like, what? No. That, no. No. I'm going to be here long enough, you'll get rid of that youth pastor, and I'll be the youth pastor. That's not what happened. I became single adult director. And, we can, and I thought, I fell in love with that. I loved that ministry. Rick was in that ministry. Jennifer was in that ministry. Um, Elisa uh, was in that ministry. Uh, that's weird. There's several people in this class. Gloria was in that ministry. Wow! I'm going to quit looking around. Uh, but, and I, I fell in love. We did, did we not have some good times, Rick, Jennifer? Yeah, it was great. I mean, it was like, we had trips, we did we had Bible studies. I still remember we had a Bible study in that class uh, at Bradford Woods. Some of you may not remember. And I was going to have a half hour Bible study and then some fellowship. That Bible study went for three hours because they wouldn't give up. They kept asking me question after question. And it got to the point where I, some, I didn't know the answer to some of the questions. I was like, whoa, these people are serious people. It wasn't like teenagers. Teenagers are like, they quit asking questions so they can go do whatever they want to do. Drop this nonsense. I won't talk to him anymore. No, that, and I fell in love with, I thought, man, I will be a single adult pastor for the rest of my life. I love working with college. They're so curious. They're so inquisitive. They want to know. You remember, Rick, you were one of those couples. In that group, uh, it continued to grow. And over a 10-year period, over 200 of them got married. And guess what? We had this big influx in our church. And Big Dummy said to Dr. Defoe, we have so many young married couples in this church and we don't really have a class for them. How are we going to fix that? <laughs> and I became the young married pastor and did that for about 10. And but we had a lot of fun in that class, too. And we saw people grow and we see marriages saved and we see lives changed and their kids growing. And it, here's the point. I don't know what God's going to do next. I pretty much feel like I'm at the end of the road, though. Right. Teenagers, you guys getting to know. Then I was just a little older than the teenagers. Then I was just a little older than the young married couples. And, I mean, the, the single adults. Then I was just a little older than the young married couples. And I'm working with you people. I don't know where you go. I think Matthew's mortuary is my next step. I'm not, 
don't know where else I go. But my point is, I don't know what God's going to do. I really don't. I'm just going to obey and see what God's going to do. Uh, I'm not like Pastor Monty. I am a planner. I'm, I'm just the opposite. I have long, you, my plans just always get moved around. I make plans, but then they get switched. And that's okay. Everybody does it different. But uh, I have plans, but I don't know if any of those plans are, I don't have any idea what I'm going to do next. But I don't have to know. I just have to obey. And I have to remind myself of that all the time. Just shut your mouth and do what God... This is something Becky and I say all the time. Uh, something will happen in the church or something will happen in the staff. And, and I'll be like, oh man, I don't know. And Becky said, well just... I, I wish she wouldn't say this all the time, but she's going to keep saying it now that I've said this. She said, well you, you're responsible to do your job. Just do your job well and don't worry about that. Oh, so irritating. No, I want to change everybody else to do it the way I do it. Anybody else? You just keep your mouth shut and obey. Do what you're supposed to do, and that's the issue. And I, I can't go through this whole thing, but we'll hit it as we go on. Uh, look at verse 9. By faith he sojourned into the land of promise. Look at verse 10. By faith he looked for a city which had, which had foundations. You do know, I thought about this again this morning. You do know that city we, talk, we read about in Revelation 21, 22. You do know that city is real and that has real foundations. That is a, I will actually be able to touch those streets of gold and walls of jasper. I, I can put my hand on them. It is, I'm looking for a city which has real, it doesn't say has imaginary, it has a real foundation. It is really there. Amen? By faith, you say, how do you know that? By faith. I believe God. And, and it just, the whole chapter just kept hitting me in the face. Everything, everything, and the end of verse 11, I underlined this phrase. As she judged him faithful who had promised. You believe what God's promised you? You believe he'll keep his promise? Right? He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. He'll do good by you. You believe that? You believe those promises? Do you always believe those promises? She judged God to be faithful. Do you judge God to be faithful? This is what, this is my morning, this is my morning on the couch. Uh, Holy Spirit, I I think the Holy Spirit was just having fun. Going, (laughs) read this one. How about that one? Read that one. How about that one? How about this one? And I mean, I didn't measure up. I'll be honest with you, I didn't measure up to a lot of them. I'm looking at him going, oh, well, I'm trying, right? And that's the whole concept of the whole chapter. Uh, you go down to verse 13. Having seen them afar off, the, the promises afar off, but they were persuaded of them and embraced them. They embraced promises. They never even knew how they were going to happen. God says it's going to happen. That's all. I'm, I'll embrace it. I believe it. I'll live my life toward it. I mean, when you read this chapter, you... I'm not going to read the rest of them. Uh, we're out of time, but I want you to go through the chapter before we read it, okay? Before we go into our own personal study. And I just want you to think about some of the, underline those phrases for yourself. And see how many of, if you look at the individual phrases, I guarantee you the Holy Spirit will use that to convict your heart and say to you, are you really believing like you say you're believing? Are you really a man of faith? Are you really a woman of faith? Do you un- it's not for us to read. It was, Paul didn't write it for the Jews of his day, those Jewish churches to read and go, oh, that's good. No. He wrote it so they would say, this is the way you're supposed to be living. You want to talk about Old Testament saints. You want to talk about sacrifices and you want to talk about ceremony and you want to talk about circumcision. You want to talk about all that stuff, but you don't even live by faith. You must live by faith. That's what he's saying over and over. He said that to those New Testament Jews and I'm saying it to New Testament Christians in this church. Don't look at the chapter and say, look what they did. Look at the chapter and say, what am I doing? Am I really a person of faith? Just read some phrases and do some underlining. I guarantee you, you'll have a, 
You're either like me, you have a wonderful morning or you have a really rough morning. I had a really rough morning that turned into a wonderful morning. I'll say it that way. Amen? Lord, we just thank you for the truth of the Scripture and how sometimes it just so clearly indicates where we are spiritually. And I pray, Lord, that you'll help me to change, help all of us to be people of faith, not just to talk about faith, who actually live by the faith that we say we believe. Lord, may it make a change in our lives, in our children's lives, in our grandchildren's lives, and everyone around us. May we actually live a good, leave a good report, a good testimony for the generations to come. We can't do that. We cannot do that. If we don't believe you, we don't condemn this world system. Pray that you'll give us the courage to do both. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, you are dismissed.